Welcome, this is the Change Creator Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. This is your host, Adam Force. I hope that you're doing amazing. And if you missed last week's episode, you might want to go back and check that out. We spoke with Rod Yap. He's got a ton of great experience, and we cover off on high-performance leadership. Now, leadership has been a very big topic. I mean, today we are talking about how business is evolution, uh, how, how business is evolution, how business is evolving, and what kind of leadership is evolving with it, right? How do we lean into leadership for today's world, and what does that look like? And it's really important because great leaders create trust, they inspire people, and they do good in the world. And that's what we're all about here. So we're going to be talking to Peter Montoya. Now, Peter Montoya. Toya has a lot of experience that we want to learn from. So he's a leadership strategist now. He is a keynote speaker. He's done a ton of talks, over 3,000 talks in, I think, twenty over 20 major cities. And he's also a best-selling author. So he's a best-selling author for a book called The Brand Called You, The Personal Branding Phenomenon, and his latest book, Leadership power. Now, he started his own company as well. He bootstrapped a software company in 2008, and he had a multi-million dollar exit in 2018. So he's been down the, the startup road. He's been traveler. He's been a storyteller. He knows what it takes, and he's seen what it takes to be a transformational leader. And that's what we're going to touch on is, you know, what is the, the, what are organizations' roles in the future of humanity? What is transformational leadership? And what do you need to know about leaning in to be a great leader? leader for your startup, all right? Now, we have some great stuff that has been released on changecreator.com. So before we get into that conversation, just want to give you a heads up to check that out. Just a quick reminder. And guys, you can find our Facebook group. If you go to our website, you can join us on our Facebook group and get involved over there. It's the uh, Profitable Digital Impact Entrepreneur. We love to see you over there. We have a little bit more of a tight-knit, focused conversation around business and startups. So if you have a business idea or you already have a business, that might be a great place for you to get into that community. Um, one other thing I want to mention is if you're a Shopify user, uh, we recently did a review on a company called uh, Shogun. And the, so Shogun offers so much flexibility. They are a page builder for Shopify. So I know Shopify has some like limitations around how the functionality and the analytics. So they not only give you deep analytics, but they give you the ability to really customize every page the way you want on Shopify. So you can increase conversions and do different types of testing and all that good marketing stuff. Um, go to changecreator.com. So if you have a Shopify store, search for Shogun. You'll find our full review. I think you'll really like it. Um, we were we were pretty uh, blown away by the software and the capabilities. One of our writers had a chance to really dig into it and get like an account to explore it. And they did the review based on that. Um, really cool stuff. So I just wanted to throw it out there. I think you can benefit from it and it'll help uh, drive your business forward. So without further ado, guys, we're going to jump into this conversation with Peter and really dive in deeper into the uh, leadership okay, world. Okay, show me the heat. I know. Hey, Peter, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show. How are you doing today? Adam, I'm doing phenomenal. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy and you got lots of stuff going on, um, but I think you do have a lot of great experience to share. So we're going to dig into that over the next 20 to 30 minutes and uh, see where it goes. So I always like to just kick it off. Um, 
just tell us like what's going on in your world today what what's the latest what's the greatest yeah, I'm going through another pivot. So I have been an entrepreneur for 30 years. And as an entrepreneur, you kind of when you start your first business, you like to think this one business is going to be my lifelong business. That is not the case. So I probably have started and uh, either closed and or folded and or sold uh, 10 businesses. Uh, and I'm probably on my 11th incarnation. Now, uh, I'm going back and rebranding myself as a leadership speaker and high performance teams expert. Uh, I have been a speaker for the better part of 30 years, but never in the leadership space. Yeah, and uh, some of the information I got, it sounds like you've only done about 3,000 presentations. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. A couple. Um, Tell me about your first business that you bootstrapped and had a uh, multi-million dollar exit. I think we all like to hear about those those life uh, lines of a business going from start to finish. Got it. So uh, I'm. Uh, I've only had one more success uh, than failure in my life. I've had you know eight, seven businesses that have failed and one business that had a really fantastic exit. Uh, I started my first business as an advertising agency back in 1998. I was 29 years old. I thought I knew it all. Uh, I was an advertising agency specializing in financial service professionals, and I did that for about 10 years. Uh, I became the go-to guy um, uh, if you were a financial advisor and you wanted help marketing or branding yourself. Uh, and then I evolved that business in 2007 or so. Hmm. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, now I, I guess, so once you sold that well, one, why did you decide to exit and what did you do next? Well, the, that business, which was the advertising agency, I basically kind of collapsed it and then started a software business. So the advertising agency was a model where I only uh, ate what I killed every single month. Yeah. And every single month I had to generate between two hundred and four hundred thousand dollars a month in sales, which I was doing myself uh, using uh, using stages. So I was you know speaking in front of audiences and selling audiences on our advertising services. Uh, and I realized I was really sick and tired of being on a hamster wheel, yeah. constantly having to eat what I kill and I wanted a recurring revenue business. So I started a software company called Marketing Pro, which provided um, automated marketing content for financial service professionals. And we charged subscriptions of $25 to $75 a month. Uh, And between 2008 and 2018, when I sold it, we amassed 11,000 subscribers uh, and we sold it to a much bigger company. Uh, The reason I sold it was was, uh, I had all my equity in the company. I mean, I mean, I had no debt, but I also had no assets except for maybe a, a couple of investment properties, <laughs> a couple of cars. So I, it was my whole entire nest egg, and I wasn't passionate about it anymore. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, and so I fall in that kind of that quick start category of where you're always having new ideas and you want to go in new directions. I kind of built it, gotten over the hump, and had lost the passion for growing the business. Yeah, yeah. You know, I see that happen a lot, and I guess you got to be willing to kind of let go what you what was the past and, and be willing to just kind of move forward with new ideas. And I know as entrepreneurs, it's pretty common that you're like top level big picture thinker and you want to try all kinds of different things that focus can be tough sometimes <laughs> yeah exactly it so once the problem is solved once you've got a workable model it's like what's next I, yeah you know my my co-founder amy and i were always saying is you know it's really important to us that our business can run without us because i to your point you want it to be an asset and as if you have the investor mindset you really want it to be able to operate without you and um you know i think that kind of leads you to certain types of decision making agreed yeah. So you're really getting into the leadership stuff. Um, 
tell me a little bit about that focus and, and what you're thinking there. So I still think the world is suffering from a, a dearth in really good leadership. Uh, I think there is collectively a large elephant in the room that we as a society aren't talking about. So here's what I mean by that. And here's the question I've got for you, Adam. In 50 years from now, if we went forward to 2070, do you think the world and society will be better than it is right now or worse off than it is right now based on the trajectory we're headed on? <laughs> I want to say that it'll be better, but the problem is I had to actually think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be negative. (laughs) So it's kind of how I am too. So based on our current trajectory, it is going to be worst. Uh, Whether you're talking about climate change, overpopulation, pollution, uh, the loss of biodiversity, we are headed uh, 180 million miles an hour in the wrong direction uh, as a civilization. So the most important question, the most important dialogue we should be having right now as a species is how can we work together to solve our collective problems better? and on the other side right now, the large the conversation right now is, is how can I make the other side more wrong than we are so we get our way? That is the conversation we're having right now in this country, and that is a profound lack of leadership. What do you think is the barrier here? So, I mean – I I love that you're focused on leadership because we do need more heart-led leadership. We need people that think holistically about not just their companies and businesses and assets, but actually how they impact people and the environment and the world. And, you know, we haven't done that for a long time, which is why we are where we are. However, I don't know uh, how familiar you are with things like Cambridge Analytica and the power of, you know, our technology today and data and just the disinformation and the, the campaigns going on. It's how, I mean, I see a huge challenge in um, getting people, I guess, clear on like what's mm-hmm. right and what's wrong because everybody can find a study or a report or something that that supports their own agenda. That's a really, really great point. So what social media is now doing uh, to our society is the same thing the printing press uh, did to the world uh, about 400 years ago. Mm. So when the printing press was uh, first invented, there all of a sudden you thought, oh my gosh, we're going to start spreading information and then the world's become more informed. And actually what happened was a huge proliferation of conspiracy theories about 400 years ago yep. and it actually led to the Christian crusades where they killed hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. <laughs> For about 30 years, it took 30 years for them to figure out how to publish information that was actually accurate. We are going through the same kind of tectonic change right now with social media, and we are only 10 years into it. We may have 30 more years to go until we figure out the the platforms, technology, the uh, policy among those platforms to actually start telling the truth so we can agree on a common set of facts so we can actually solve problems. Yeah, I mean, that sounds amazing. And uh, I would love to to see that. I, I know I was listening to somebody talk and they were like, listen, uh, fossil fuels are no longer the most uh, valuable currency today. It's it's data. And when she said that, I was like, you know what? I actually don't think that's true. I think that today it's trust because, you know, mm-hmm. especially from a business mindset, like based on what we're talking about here with disinformation and poor leadership and personal agendas, you can't trust anything anymore. So if you can earn someone's trust, you're going to get a lot further. I like that. Well said. 
Oh man. So what kind of steps now have you been taking to kind of pursue a shift in leadership? You know, the, the biggest thing is, is one thing I could impose upon your audience is for them to consider what their moral compass is. Yeah. So most people have never and really thought about the definition of their moral com- compass, and it probably is the most important decision they'll make in their life. So the, the, the truth to me is, is that morality is subjective. I'm sorry, the objective of your morality is subjective, which means each human being needs to decide what is the goal of their lives and to some degree what they think the goal of people's lives are around them. Yeah. And some people go, well, you know, it's easy. It's, it's God. Whatever God tells me to do, whatever <laughs> God says is, is moral, that is my moral compass. Okay. Yeah. Other people might say it's the Constitution. So it's the U.S. Constitution and a set of federal laws. If it's legal, then it's good. If it's illegal, then it's bad. Uh, other people, I think the default moral compass for most Americans is uh, personal enrichment. So as long as it makes me money and doesn't hurt somebody else too badly, <laughs> then it's okay. So, uh, you know, I want a big house, big car. I want to consume a lot. I want a reasonable amount of fame so people will listen to me. And then, you know, I want to be left alone. And they more or less are living the morality of personal enrichment. Now, what I think, what I've chosen for my life, and I would like more people to choose for their life, and I can't make them do this, is that of human well-being. Uh, I think everyone's moral compass should be set to maximizing their own uh, human well-being and everyone else's well-being as well. And as soon as you make that decision, the calculus of how you make decisions and what you value changes radically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And I think, um, I, I, you know, I think there's a, uh, I guess an educational gap. Would you agree that over time there's an educational gap that could be preventing people from actually understanding that in, in another word, another way to put it is, you know, people don't see as clearly that the, a a shift or transition from an individual or an organism will impact the whole. And -hmm. they don't see it that way. Cause if you did, you'd realize that all these things of thinking for yourself, I have enough money. I don't want to hurt someone too bad. Um, you know, that's the wrong way to think about how we operate as a, a global community. That's absolutely right. And you got to look at the culture of the United States and the culture of the United States all moves toward radical individualism, radical individualism. And uh, I want to win as long as I don't hurt you or, or someone else too bad. So that's all of our society. I mean, we basically have been indoctrinated for the last 120 years with what's called the prosperity doctrine. And the prosperity doctrine basically says uh, success equals happiness. As soon as I make enough money that I can buy my house in the woods, be completely and totally isolated, live off of, you know, live off the grid where the government's not bothering me, I have succeeded and I will be happy. And what's amazing about that is those people are the least happy people on the planet. <laughs> so the whole aim of our society uh, is going in the wrong direction. And that happens both in religion, it happens in personal development. Almost all personal development is geared around the prosperity doctrine. Yeah. Uh, it happens in our educational system. All Everything is moving toward how can I be alone? How can I make a lot of money? How can I be do this all by myself? It's all geared the wrong way, which is the opposite of how we thrive. If you look like, at the schools yeah. of positive psychology, look at the studies in longevity, everything is about having a purpose, which is usually greater than yourself, making the world a better place, and number two, having a lot of interconnected relationships. 
100%. Um, so, you know, a lot of times you'll hear like there's been massive progress with technology and people mm -hmm. associate that with just overall progress. But we haven't had, you know, I think what we're kind of getting at is educational and spiritual progress around, you know, how we live. I mean, you can hear these guys like Bernie Sanders and stuff talk about how they want to help more people and it's going to cost taxes and all this stuff. And so people will say, well, I'm not going to pay for someone else's kid to go to school or get health care. <laughs> and I'm just like, I could just see such a huge disconnect in how we actually are thinking about things. I would agree with you. So I would say that humanity right now, if you looked at humanity in terms of a human life, lifespan, uh, we are in our college years. And what your college years are about is how do you adapt, how do you use uh, unlimited uh, adult vices? Yeah. So when you first go to college at 18 or 19 years old, all of a sudden you don't have anyone telling you and putting restraints on what you can do anymore. And you can drink, smoke, sex, gamble, what drugs, you have unlimited access to all of the human vices and most people in their first couple of years of adulthood adulting um, they <laughs> overindulge and they realize there are prices to pay for doing whatever you want when you want to do it and we as a society are exactly the same place right now we are realizing yes we can burn as much carbon as we want as cheaply as we want we can have as much technology in our hands as we want we can be staring at our screens as we want however those things as indulgent and as good as they might feel as easy as they might be there are huge Huge societal repercussions, both societal and individual repercussions from that. So we are, as a society right now, as a, as a species right now, in those 18, 19 year old years going, just because we can doesn't mean we should. And we've actually got to restrict ourselves based on what is the, in the best long term interest of our species. That's the uh, that's the tough one right there is really getting people to I guess it's like a re-education process almost. How do we mm -hmm. get people to detach from those you know historical conditioning conditioned beliefs and start thinking in a new direction? You know, I just it's a very difficult thing. So I guess that's why you're focused on leadership and trying to have a top-down effect. No, to some degree. I mean, leadership had really changed. You know, the, the military was the uh, prototypical top-down yeah. style. You know, I'm the leader, you do what I say. Uh, and today, it's really a, an inside-out job, which means we're really trying to empower people so they make better decisions for themselves and for the organization as a whole. We want thinking, self-leading, empowered people making decisions. So no longer is necessarily a top-down. Uh, so we're trying to really imbue them with the right tools so they make better moral decisions for themselves and the people around them. Mm, yeah, and I think, you know, so so basically um, getting, because, I, I, you know, it made me think of this film, The Family. I don't know if you've seen it. I saw it. <laughs> it's yeah. like, they're like, these are the leaders that have the most impact. And when I say top down, forget traditional corporate hierarchy or anything like that, but people that have influence in a sense, it's like, if they're out there spreading BS, like it just makes it that much harder. And, and to your point, we want people to start understanding what this, I guess, modern day leadership is and not even just what it should be, but what it needs to become and why, right? Yeah, absolutely right. So we are really focused on self-leadership and self-leadership really is empowerment. Uh, empowerment is one of those terms to a lot of people where they go, it's kind of a fuzzy word, but they really empowerment really is very well defined. So here's what empowerment is. First of all, empowerment is authority plus confidence 
yeah. plus competence. So when I, as for me as a leader of an organization, I want to give my people maximum authority to make as many decisions within alignment of the organization. So the organization is really clear. The objective is really clear. Where our head is really clear. And we give each one maximum authority to help us achieve that goal. Next, I want to give them the competence and the skills. And I'll ask them questions and training uh, to constantly give them more and more comps to make right. better decisions. And then with that, usually comes the confidence. So when they're sitting there in a decision-making situation, they are empowered to make the best decision for them in the organization. I love that. And so, and, and what are you offering and doing right now that's, that is supporting people to become um, a, a transformational leader, if you will. Great question. So I, I'm an infopreneur these days. I've got a great YouTube channel, which is at uh, youtube.com slash Thrive Union. Uh, and on there, we've got 54 different videos that basically teach different life skills and leadership. So that's one thing we do. Um, I'm putting the final touches on a book right now called The 10 Secrets of Leadership Power. So that's both for self-leadership and leadership of others. We want to really kind of break Break down and give pragmatic steps for people to actually be able to know how to build up their leadership skills. Uh, and then also, I've got a great online coaching community, uh, which is on Facebook, and it's currently free. Uh, so that would be P Peter Montoya Leadership Coaching uh, inside of Facebook. So go, go to Facebook, search for Peter Montoya Leadership Coaching, and join our free leadership coaching community. So thanks for sharing that. And I'm just curious then, as leadership is evolving and, and where do you see it? Do you see these leadership styles changing? Obviously it has changed over time. And do you see it happening more in certain areas? It could be small companies, large corporations, government, whatever it might be. Do you see it evolving in certain places first? Yeah, it certainly is happening. And I don't know if you saw it in the last couple months, the uh, American Chamber of Commerce actually kind of changed what they thought was the objective of American business now, whereas the objective of American business was either by default or stated to maximize shareholder value. Right. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce more or less said, I think it's the U.S. Chamber of Commerce more or less said, we now have five stakeholders and we got to consider all five stakeholders. Clients are one, shareholders being another, their vendors, their employees, and the communities they serve. That actually is a holistic solution. Now we've got American businesses saying making money alone is not it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's powerful. And I, I do recall seeing that. And I'm, I'm curious at what impact the, you know, I, I think it was Chamber of Commerce, but them setting the tone, if you will, I'm curious on what kind of impact that's really happening. Because I feel like, you know, there's probably a lot of old blood out there and a lot of new blood coming. I think the new blood is going to lean into those uh, ideas while the old blood is going to have their mindset on maximizing profit because that's just their mentality. Yeah. I mean, you also got to understand that money is, you know, highly, highly addictive. So human beings uh, have two potential reasons for living. Uh, the default reason for living is your basic survival. And this goes back to our homo sapien origins and more or less how we survive as human beings is to eat, don't get eaten and procreate. That's how we uh, keeps getting some of the survival of the species going forward. Yeah. And making money is nothing more than an extension of that basic 
core programming. So you say, well, how is making money and me buying more houses and more cars just an extension of eat, don't get eaten, and procreate, um, reproduce? And well, more or less, people buy cars, have houses, have boats, have more vacation as a way of attracting mates. <laughs> so <laughs> if you think, oh no, I'm evolved. Uh, I live in a big, giant, huge house, and I'm not. I'm beyond my core programming of basically basis survival. No, you're still caught um, on the hedonic treadmill of that. And it takes a level of consciousness to go, you know what? I'm going to transcend my basic core programming of survival and move on to human flourishing or thriving. And that's basically where you make the choice that you want to live for human well-being. And once you figured out that maximizing human well-being is what you're living for, then you start living for things like purpose, relationships, calm, and you actually reorganize your life in a much more holistic way. But it takes some intelligence to do and discipline to do that in our society. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, do you do you think or would you agree that there that we're actually living through a major transition in in business uh, Mm -hmm. overall globally? Uh, yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Um, you're getting more and more uh, Gen Xers like me into the executive ranks, uh, and we have a, a much more holistic way of looking at the world. So I'm really hoping so. Yeah. Gen Xers have been the, the biggest disappointment, biggest dis- most non biggest non generation uh, in history. Uh, we haven't even had a president yet. So we've had baby boomer presidents, uh, and they're sk- they're looking. We might skip right over Gen Xers and just go to a millennial if they elect Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, there hasn't been. I don't think any of the candidates right now for president or Gen Xers. We're a, a, a worthless generation. You know, you don't hear too much about Gen X. That's, that's for no. sure. It's, it's, mil- no. it's now millennials and Gen Z. And uh, for some reason, yeah, Gen X gets skipped. <laughs> you did. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I think, you know, there is a, a big transition. And, you know, one of the things I always like to, to say is that, and I'm curious on your thoughts, is, you know, as more people, as the internet grows and grows and we have this, all these new opportunities, it's, there's never been a better time for opportunity for someone to say, I'm going to, I'm going to escape the nine to five, like what we were taught and programmed to do basically. And I'm going to do something of my own. Like I'm just going to figure out my own. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and what I always want to see people do is like find harmony. Like there is no work life balance. There's just your life. Mm-hmm. So you just start creating this harmonious, you know, um, duality like comes together. Right. And it's like, I'm just going to shape whatever I want. And now with the internet, you can do that. The opportunity is there. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, there's so much technology now that allow you to actually, you know, work from home from home and basically look like a big business. So there is a lot of opportunity in that one regard. Uh, and then in another regard, the number of new businesses starting in America right now is less than during the Carter administration. Uh, the large businesses on this planet, uh, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Tesla, uh, you know, they are gobbling up a whole lot of mind share right now. Yeah. Um, so in some regards, it is easier, and in some regards, it's harder because of the climate right now. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, I'm always looking for statistics on the number of companies started or you know failing. Like, I, I, I don't know, like where you get your numbers. Any <laughs> any ideas on that? 
Good question. I would have to Google it again. Yeah. I, I know I Googled it not too long ago and saw those numbers, but it's it's out there. I'm guessing it is uh, the Department of Commerce is where something those numbers like are. That. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. Neil Patel recently post something around about uh, 500,000 or so companies start, but only about 30 some thousand make it. <laughs> right? Um, right. And those numbers are pretty powerful. Um, you know, but what's interesting is I see more people and you don't need to be a Tesla to live a, to live what you might define as success, right? So you can grab your small part of the pie and help a small part of the global community in your own way with the skills that you have. And we would call that living your truth. I, um, I was at a conference in Toronto and I interviewed a, a girl by the name of Nasreen Sheik, who was on our magazine cover. And when I spoke to her, she was a child slave, went through all the stuff. She got out, started two businesses. And I asked her in the end, if you had one opportunity to give a message to the world, what would it be? And she said, I would ask that people dig deep, live their truth, because that's the biggest contribution you can make to the world. Did I lose you? Sorry, I had muted the uh, microphone to sneeze oh. and failed to unmute it. <laughs> um, yes, uh, in my vernacular, that is living your purpose. And yeah. purpose is the intersection of five of five things. Uh, number one, what you're passionate about. Number two, what you're good at, what you're skilled at. And number three, something that benefits humanity. Yeah. And once you find the intersection of those three things, yes, you are maximizing con contribution to our species. And so I really hope for, that your listeners here are not just doing jobs that they like and that make the money, but actually that like that they're good at that are helping society. Beautiful. I love that. And I, and I, that's where I want to see this whole overall transition go. You know, we have more transparency now with the internet. We can see what's going on in the world and hopefully we can find trusted information. And as people get you know, inspired more than they want to contribute back to help solve some of these problems. And that's what we're all about here at Change Creator. So we see a lot of people who do have their hearts in the right place. Oh, I love what you're doing here, Adam. It's fantastic. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. And um, I'm, I really appreciate your focus on leadership. Um, and you did define it, but I just want to do a final definition and we'll wrap up. So I have a note here that, you know, like we talk about transformational leadership. Let's just give everybody a very clear definition on what that really means today. Uh, a transformational leader is someone who changes the fundamental, uh, fundamental understanding of what something is. So um, our founding fathers of this country 200 years ago created a fundamental change in the understanding of what a country could be. Up until that time, most of the countries in the world were all monarchies, basically empowered by God, more or less. And the United States of America was the very first democracy, and no one thought that model would work. Here we are 200 and some, some years later, and half the countries in the world are now democracies. They created a fundamental change in understanding of what something is. Mm. Uh, Steve Jobs is another one. I mean, Steve Jobs probably was a transformation later at least twice, if not three times. First, with what a computer was. A, yep. a computer up until that time filled a room and was only for governments <laughs> um, and research institutions and uh, colleges and things like that. And he basically said, no, a computer is what you put on your desk more functional. That was probably number one. Uh, number two was probably iTunes. We changed how we got listened to music versus yep. CDs. Yep. It was now digital. And the third one was, what is a pocket computer? <laughs> now we yeah. call it a phone, but really it's a handheld computer. Yep. And that was the probably the third time he created a fundamental change in understanding of what something is. So what, and 
every single time with those fundamental, uh, those transformational leaders, not only they change the understanding of what it is, but they also unlock hundreds, thousands, or millions of other leaders. So if you think about it, how many businesses have come, uh, evolve because of the iPhone? Well, there's thousands of, or hundreds of thousands of businesses that were created doing software and hardware for the iPhone. Yeah. Then you also got to think about all the businesses that were started because people could run their whole entire lives off of a handheld computer. So he trans he created other leaders based on his own transformation. Yeah, I love that. I love the effect that has, you know, you bring up a great point about how just creating these uh, transformations, such as the iPhone, it just opens up a world of whole, a whole other world of opportunity, which has been the case. And it's been pretty amazing. So couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, Peter, listen, I appreciate your time. We're going to wrap up here and I want to give you a chance. I know you gave some shout outs earlier, but let's just, what's the best place for people to learn more um, about you and, and your leadership um, approach? Uh, our website, which is petermontoya.com. That should be easy enough to remember. And then I would also go to Facebook and join my free leadership community, which is the Peter Montoya uh, Leadership Coaching in Facebook. Awesome. Perfect. All right, guys, you heard it. Check it out. Um, this sounds like exactly the kind of leadership we need. So um, really appreciate you sharing all your insights, Peter. I love that you have this channel and thank you for having it, giving this gift to the world and having me on it. I really That's appreciate you. That's all for you, this episode. Thank Your you. next right, step we'll is to you. join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. 